0: American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more, right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world. From the very beginning. So here we are. The final episode about Turin and Nienor, The story of the children of Hurin. And I... It, it's kind of a mixed emotion for me. This story is so good, and yet so terrible, so tragic. You might have noticed that I don't have any background sounds. It is simply me and you and the silence. And you can't really give a moment of silence in a podcast because that's a little bit awkward. This is about as close as we can get to a moment of silence. And that will make sense as we finish this chapter. But one of the things I want you to think about as we get through the rest of this story is why. Why this story? Why these tragic events? Why this much sorrow in sadness. And we've talked about the way that the world descends, decays over time, and these kinds of themes in Tolkien's work. And we've seen it firsthand. The things that the elves make don't actually last forever. They themselves can last forever, but, or at least as long as the world lasts. But the the machinations of Melkor, Morgoth, the terrible things that go on, wear the world down over time. The kingdoms of the elves don't stand forever. We've already seen the fall of Nargothrond. By the Third Age, the world is looking pretty worse for wear. The elven kingdoms have been reduced To a few locations, Rivendell, Lothlorien, some other minor locations like the uh, kingdom in Mirkwood. Even the human kingdoms are still not doing so well in the third age. Everything seems to decline. But does everything decline? Is hope one of those things that withers with time? Look at the Shire. Even at the end of the Return of the King, in the in the actual story version, the book, we don't see this in the movies, you have the scouring of the Shire. Even the hobbits themselves are not safe from the terrible evils of the world. But then after that, things are different. The story of the Shire after the end of The Return of the King is a story of renewal. We learn that after Frodo leaves, Sam is, in a sense, freed up to become his most, I don't know, his his best self. His potential finally blossoms. He ends up becoming the mayor of the Shire multiple times over. He gets married, he has lots of children, and... He regrows the Shire because he's a farmer. But he does it in a way where he is one of the most respected members of the community. He's one of the best leaders the Shire has ever had. And you get renewal. That does happen. The return of the king itself. The king coming back to the throne of Gondor and Arnor is renewal. Under Aragorn's reign, men enter a new golden era. And sure, all of these things don't last forever. But in time, and during certain times, there are good things. Now let's take a look at Turin's story. Before we get into it, although there are terrible things that happen, his life is like a microcosm. There are good things that happen as well. He is cursed. His family is cursed. The things that he can do don't always work out in the end, but he is still capable of great good, of hope, of love. When he falls to his lowest points, and it happens multiple times, he gets back up again over and over, knowing that he is cursed, knowing that there will be terrible things that come from from his actions from things that he doesn't even intend, from his haste, from his wrath, from these qualities, bad things will occur. But at the same time, his passion, his love, his strength bring hope and good events as well. This is the story of humanity. This is the human condition. All wrapped up and the story about one person, or even just a little family, and the people they meet along the way. So with that in mind, let's continue into the last section of this story. When we wrapped up last time, we were dealing with the fallout of the events with Glarung and Turin killing the beast. And then Niniel, Nienor chasing after him and then finding him and thinking he was dead. He had this, remember, this uh, kind of Shakespearean moment. And then Brandir returns. He witnesses all of this. He returns to the people, the rest of the, the men of Brethel. And says, this is what happened. Basically, I've learned all of what happened. The The dragon is dead, but Turin also lays dead beside him. And I also found out that Niniel was in fact Turin's sister, Nienor. And that the black sword was in fact Turin, and that this is a terrible situation, but... It's in the end, it's it's good. This is these are good tidings. And then Turin shows up. He, he wakes back up from his stupor or whatever he was in. And uh, he returns to these people and Dorless's wife cries out, Nay, Lord, he is crazed, for he came here saying that you are dead and he called it good tidings, but you live. And then Turin becomes wrathful. And he didn't know what to believe about what Brandeer was saying. And if this came from his mind, if this was his own malice, or if these were actually the words of Glarung, or if Glarung was lying. But he he was upset. And he calls him Clubfoot. He makes fun of him. And in this moment, this is where there's a back and forth between the two of them. And he doesn't believe Brandeer. And then he feels like Brandeer just trying to push his agenda. He doesn't know what to think. He's he's angry. He's wrathful. And then he curses Brandir and slays him in this moment and then runs from the people of the woods. This madness comes over him again. We've seen this happen a number of times where his emotions take over and then he flees. He kills somebody and runs away. But not too long after that, we're told that his madness left him, and he came to the Had and Elith hill, the, the hill where Findulas was buried. And he sits there, pondering all of his deeds, everything that has happened, his life. And he cries out to Findulas to bring him counsel. And it says here, for he knew not whether he would do now more ill to go to Doriath to seek his kin or to forsake them forever and seek death in battle. Do I continue on and try to figure out if these things are real? If my mother, my sister are out there somewhere. Or do I take these things as fact and I find an honorable death? And in this moment, Mablung and his company of Grey Elves cross over the Teaglin, and they see Turin at a distance and they know him. Mablung recognizes this is Turin and they hail him and they're happy to find that he's still alive. They knew that Glarung had left Nargothrond and could be dangerous and... They'd kind of followed the path back to Brethil, and they'd heard that the Black Sword of Nargothrond now dwelt in this area because of just a few of the events that happened. Remember, he tried not to go out as the Black Sword very often, but at one point he did. And so Mablon came here to give warning to Turin. But Turin tells him, You come too late. The dragon is dead. Now you have to imagine their reaction to this. The dragon is dead? You killed Glarung? You killed this monstrosity of Morkoth? That is amazing. So they marvel at this, and they give him praise. And he cares nothing, nothing about it. There's only one thing on his mind. His mother and his sister... And so he says, this only I ask, give me news of my kin, for in Dor Loman I learned that they had gone to the Hidden Kingdom. And at this, Mablung is dismayed. It says here, but he needs must tell to Turin how Morwin was lost and Nienor cast into a spell of dumb forgetfulness, and how she escaped them upon the borders of Doriath and fled northward. Then at last Turin knew that doom had overtaken him and that he had slain Brandir unjustly. Brandir's words were true. He may have been saying them in a way that was rude or unappealing, but he was speaking the truth and that the words of Glarong were fulfilled in him and he laughed as one fae crying, This is a bitter jest indeed. But he bade Mablung go and return to Doriath with curses upon it. And a curse, too, upon your errand, he cried. This only was wanting. Now comes the night. He knows, in this moment, because Mablung is a trusted source, that everything Glorung said is true. And you can see that he is angry. He is a wrathful individual. He has been manipulated. And every time he's tried to do something good, it seems to get twisted to evil. And even in this, his greatest moment, the slaying of the dragon, he learns that on a personal level, his life feels like a joke. His sister, he accidentally wed, not knowing that that was his sister, and had loved her twice, in different ways? Try wrestling with that. And on top of that, his mother is just gone. She's disappeared. Nobody seems to know where she ended up. There's nobody else in this world that he cares for. He's lost Beleg, he's lost His family, his father is still chained to the walls of Morgoth's fortress. What does he do now? Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. I hope you are enjoying this sad and tragic ending to the story of Turin. We will get to the rest of the story. There's just a little bit left, and then we're going to consider some things about it. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. But before we do that, I've got to thank our patrons for being awesome supporters of this show. And we have to welcome our newest patrons, Melody. Welcome. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And Drupal. 2005 and TJT and uh, Natalie G and Kinga Polg eight I Probably butchered that one, but welcome to the patreon. Thank you for being here and supporting the show Thank you to all 193 of you and a big shout out to all of our VIP patrons Bo Brad s Brandy D Chewbacca David M Drupal. I'm just gonna call you Drupal esoteric rage Jesse P Capenna, Larry Obi-Wan Kenobi, Patrick W, Sam B, Shannon L, Tyler M, and Wes P. Thank you to all of you for supporting this project. I'm glad that you're still here. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And I am excited to wrap up this story because this is one of Tolkien's best stories. I mean, you could argue it's his best story, but some people would say Baron and Luthien or whatever. In fact, let me know so far, so far based on the stuff that we've talked about, chime in either on the discord or on the patreon let me know what you think is the best story so far i'd love to hear a different perspective i should put a poll up somewhere and see what what you all say um but thank you to all all of you for the support also we have one tiny new review this one tiny new review says is comes from cole 767 it says aragorn 27946 Maybe that's another name you go by, but that I don't. OK, uh, and then it says, I love this so much. Hearts, 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 hearts. So thank you so much, Cole. And um, maybe there's a hidden meaning in Aragorn 27946. Is that a hidden meaning? I don't I don't know. But uh, thank you for for dropping that. If you would like to help support the show and get your words read out on a future episode and then leaving a. Rating, a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts is the way to do it. You can also rate this show on Spotify and other locations. Five-star ratings are a huge help. Absolutely. They let people know that this show is worth checking out. So if you love this, if I've done anything to get you through your workday or any of that stuff, then please... Please consider helping out. And um, if, you, if you're if you interested in the Patreon, you want to check out all the different stuff you can get, including the bonus episodes. And today's, today's bonus episode, by the way, we're going to be answering some of the questions and some of the comments that have come up on the Patreon. So we're going to continue that conversation, which I always look forward to. And so go to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast and check it out. That's all we got for the middle of the show. I hope you're enjoying it. And let's continue with the final bit. Of Turin's story. So we're back, and we have the equivalent of, I don't know, three paragraphs left. I mean, these are Tolkien paragraphs, which sometimes are very complex sentences. Oh, that looked like a paragraph, but uh, these ones aren't too bad. Um, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why these stories are so difficult to read is that he writes complex sentences, which got me in trouble in school because I tried writing like him because I thought it was really cool. And then my teachers were like, what are you doing? <laughs> I clearly was not uh, the professor. So here, why don't we do this? I'm going to read through this final section and then we'll talk about it. Because I think that's kind of a fun way to approach this. This last little section says, Then he fled from them like the wind, them being the group of Grey Elves in Mablung, and they were amazed, wondering what madness had seized him. And they followed after him, after Turin far outran them. Imagine outrunning, I guess I'm, I'm going to stop and comment a little bit, imagine outrunning a group of elves. He was, he is an amazing Human being. But Turin far outran them, and he came to Carib and Aris and heard the roaring of the river, he's back to the water, to that to that section where he had fought the dragon, and saw that all the leaves fell there from the trees, as though winter had come. There he drew forth his sword, that now alone remained to him of all his possessions, and he said, Hail Gerthing. No lord or loyalty dost thou know, save the hand that wieldeth thee. From no blood wilt thou shrink. Wilt thou therefore take Turin to Rumbar? Wilt thou slay me swiftly? And from the blade rang a cold voice in answer. Yea, I will drink thy blood gladly, that so I may forget the blood of Beleg my master and the blood of brandir slain unjustly and i will slay thee swiftly and then turin set the hilts upon the ground and cast himself upon the point of girthang and the black blade took his life but mablung and the elves came and looked on the shape of glarung lying dead and upon the body of turin and they grieved And when men of Brethel came thither, and they learned the reasons of Turin's madness and death, they were aghast. And Mablung said bitterly, I also have been meshed in the doom of the children of Hurin, and thus with my tidings have slain one that I loved. Then they lifted up Turin, and found that Gerthang had broken asunder. But elves and men gathered their great store of wood and they made a mighty burning and the dragon was consumed to ashes. Turin they laid in a high mound where he had fallen and the shards of Girthing were laid beside him and when all was done the elves sang a lament for the children of Hurin and a great gray stone was set upon the mound and thereon was carven in runes of Doriath Turin Turambar Dagnir Glarunga And beneath they also wrote nienor Niniel and she was not there, nor was it ever known whither the cold waters of Teglin had taken her. And that's it. That's the end of the story. Now there are a few things to dissect in this. Let's go into the details a little bit. But if you're like I am, you get through that. And it's another moment of just chills, right? This is it's a powerful and yet tragic and sad moment here at the end. So let's let's talk about this. First of all, we have the sword speaking. The sword actually answers. It talks back. Now, why is that? Is this a. Magical sword? Well, yeah, it was crafted by the elves. It can—it was a powerful weapon, like many elven weapons we've heard about in these stories. But this thing can actually talk, like it speaks. This is similar. This is another mythological reference. There are items and weapons and objects in mythology across multiple cultures that speak. And sometimes it's just one time. There's just a key moment and... Something needs to be said from the perspective of the sword. And is it probably metaphorical? Is it maybe a voice in the protagonist's head? Maybe there's, um, uh, I think I might've mentioned this on a really early episode. The, the synoptic gospel of Thomas, I believe uh, has the moments where the stone is rolled away from the tomb after the three days, after Jesus has died and buried, and and um, people come to see if Jesus has is is still there, and the the boulder speaks. I believe. I believe it's the boulder, or the cross. No, no, it's the cross. Sorry, it's the cross. The cross is leaning up against the the side of the the opening, the doorway, and the cross. It simply speaks like, "Yay." <laughs> or something like that. Uh, so this happens, and this this goes way, way back. Um, so there's that. That happens here. Then you have the section where Mablong is uh, lamenting what had happened. And he also, he says, I also have been meshed in the doom of the children of Hurin, and thus with my tidings have slain one that I loved. He holds it to himself. The fact that he shared the truth led to Turin's death. And Turin eventually would have learned the truth. I think this is just a moment where Mablung is sad because he's losing somebody that he cared for. And he cared for Turin's family. Under his guidance, tragedy befell all of them. That's not an easy thing to struggle with. Now let's talk about this mound. This mound that is built here is a piece of land that will never sink under the ocean. And we know, moving into the Second Era, that the world is reshaped. The island of Númenor is given to men. But there are a few places in Beleriand that do not go under the waves. Turin's Mound is one of them. Now, it's given a different name because of events that we haven't spoken about yet. Or at least, the location is updated. We'll just say that for now, but this is a this is a location that does not sink beneath the waves. Out of respect, I believe, from the Valar to Turin and the struggles and the terrible things that Turin suffered. Now you might also be wondering about the runes, the runes, runes, not ruins, runes carved words are hard everybody by the way somebody mentioned that i should uh make that one of the shirts that i put up on patreon for for everybody uh, maybe i'll come up with some designs for that um but you can there currently is a words are hard and also uh huan is the bestest boy t-shirt up on uh, robotsradio.net if you want to get one of those shirts they're they're priced fairly cheaply i try to keep the prices as low as i can but anyway you might be wondering what this uh this rune means turin turin bar we know those Dagnir Glarunga That means Bane of Glarung He is defined by this moment by being Glarung's Bane and then of course Nianor and then her alternate name Niniel Were also there, uh, but they never did find her body. We don't know where her body ended up So this is more of a grave site in a way a tomb a Burial a burial mound. We'll just call it a burial mound because that's what it is uh, out of respect knowing that she most likely is gone. So the other thing I wanted to point out about this story is that Turin's story isn't actually done in a few different ways. I guess I could say it like this. Hurin's story is not finished. So there's more there. This is not the end of his story. Another thing to note, that this is, in a way... The abridged version of the story that came out in the Silmarillion decades before Christopher Tolkien had the time to actually pull together more information about this story and flesh out what actually became a novel, The Children of Hurin. And I think we'll put that on the list of things to go back and visit and read through that and see some of the similarities and differences and what things get added. His story gets fleshed out even more in that. So there's that. But then there's also the concept of the end of the world. And I believe I talked about this in one of the bonus episodes where I basically laid out Tolkien's unfinished version of the way the world would end. And among many other things that happen, it's it's this apocalyptic story similar to what you could read in the book of Revelation in the Bible, or Ragnarok. This kind of end-of-world scenario, and in it, Melkor is returned. Melkor, at, at one point, and we'll get there, is banished and can no longer come into Arda. And uh, that's, that's why Sauron is the main Dark Lord of the Second and Third Age, right? But Melkor returns, and this Climactic battle ends all of time. And somebody else returns. The Valar bring back Turin. Because Turin is the most cursed. He's the most suffering of all of humanity. He's also their greatest warrior. And the sword is reforged and in that story which is on the edges of canon it wasn't actually published anywhere in, in a canon type of form and tolkien's works are a little bit eh, a little bit funny as to what is what is and what isn't canon but in this story turin is given the honor of slaying melkor and if and if that is not i don't know i mean yeah battle and murder all of those things that sounds so dark but at the same time justice if that is not fitting of the torment of what humanity has gone through because of the evils of the world and the core proponents of those evils and turin himself is brought back and given the honor of ending melkor isn't that just great I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Thank you for being here for this story. I've enjoyed every bit of it, probably more than all of you, but I appreciate you being here. We will continue with chapter 22 of the Silmarillion next week. And until then, stay safe out there. I'll see you all later. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, The Elder Scrolls Lorecast, The Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots radio, or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes, or just search Robots Radio Discord, or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.